To the Smoking Snake Podcast, episode 47 of the only English language podcast, all about Brazilian football. I'm your host, Peter, joined as always by your other host, Enric. And we've got a great show, uh, kind of maybe a shorter episode. Uh, we're only covering the Brasil Rao this uh this week, uh, match week 10 of Brazil's top division. Uh, but Enric, let's start off here. Let's say hello, let's bring you in. And let's just comment on the Champions League final. Uh, it's funny. I can't remember if we said it on the show or in text, but I think we said, you know, there's for sure going to be goals. We looked back at the finals the last few years and we said, for sure, it's not going to be one nil. And what was the score? <laughs> one nil. <One-nil. laughs> Once again, the same thing that has been happening over. Uh, you said three one. I said three nil. And. Yeah, we both for sure imagined that there there will be many goals scored in this game, but there weren't. And still, it was a great final. Uh, So many chances uh, by both teams. And I think Inter had some crazy chances, uh, things that I didn't expect from them. And they could have equalized and sent everything to extra time. But luckily for Pep Guardiola's side, uh, they didn't do the mistakes that they've been doing recently. And they were able to win it. And I'm very happy for City to win their first ever UCL. Yeah, great historic day for that club. Uh, the treble completed, so impressive. Um, and yeah, congrats to them. Uh, even though we got the the scoreline uh, miserably wrong. Um, but uh, all right, let's dive into the rest of the row week ten. Um, Enric, you were tweeting <laughs> it was the week of draws, and the first five games we're gonna go over here, all draws. Um, some surprising results, some surprising stuff after the whistle, um, and some of these, but, uh, let's start off with probably one of the dullest matches, uh, of the, um, of the match week. Uh, definitely when you look at the scoreline, Koroshiba and Santos, no goals in this one. They split the points, uh, nothing doing seventh game in a row that Santos don't get the win. Koroshiba, uh, sitting at the bottom of the table. They still don't have a win. Uh, but they do have a point here. Um, pretty uh, dreadful result uh, from a Santos perspective, I would I would imagine. Enric, you and I were both talking about how we'd expect uh, at least a win out of this one. This had to be a win if if we're going to be taken seriously. Um, and just looking at some of the player ratings, uh, Joel Paulo, our top player rating, uh, that's never good when your goalie is number one. Uh, Soteldo does come back. Uh, that's a, a small little positive there, but uh, other than that, not much, uh, not much impressive going on uh, with Santos or Korshiba in this one. Yeah, and I like how you said that. Uh, so many draws in this match week, and this was the only draw that didn't produce goals. Uh, yeah, around the 14th mid mark, I think Soteldo had a crazy chance to score. Uh, it was saved twice, I believe, by the Korshiba keeper, but. That could have sent us through, and uh, at least a goal. Uh, if we managed to score that, it would have been by it would have been good for our side. But I would take a draw. I think I said this before uh, since last week that a draw here will be neglectable, but uh, 
because I knew playing away Santos is not going to aim for the victory. And at mm-hmm. the end of the day, uh, looking at how the match went, Curitiba had their chances. Camacho got a red card at the end of the game. So I think a 0-0 draw is still good. Uh, looking at the fact that this was also probably the least watched game during the Brasilia route, happened to be the same time as Man City. And it was difficult for us uh, as supporters <laughs> to see on both screens and what's going on in this match. Yeah, definitely. There was probably not many eyeballs on this one. Um, and they didn't miss much, those who uh, those who missed it. Um, Soteldo, uh, like I said, um, or like you said, missed that chance. Also, he's been in the news, obviously on loan, um, loan wrapping up pretty quickly. The intention has been to buy him, but uh, the his club that owns him right now, Tigres in Mexico, um, are looking uh, to play a little hardball, as I tweeted. Um, they're kind of saying, hey, we've got some other o- options from Brazil. Uh, he might have a role in the team. So it's really crunch time in terms of getting Soteldo uh, uh, signed up here. Um, and the board's got a lot to do, um, uh, you know, in this break, um, this week off. And uh, and, and signing Soteldo is, is probably top of that heap. So uh, Santos and Corachiba splitting the points. Same thing uh, with another Paulista team, this time at home, Corinthians splitting the points with Cuiabá, um, and they left it kind of late. Daverson, again, we've talked about what a powerhouse he has been, how he drives Cuiabá, um, uh, and some of the results still staying in that 14th place. Uh, but, uh, man, they cut it kind of close here, Henrik. Um, just the two goals, 1-1. Um, and Corinthians, again, you got to expect a lot better from them, especially at home. Yeah, and another game for Daverson scoring a goal. Uh, match week seven, he scored 1-0 uh, against, I believe, Cruzeiro in the 37th uh, last week. He scored uh, as well a goal in the 54th minute, I believe, and then now yeah. he does it against Corinthians, 55th minute mark, so... This guy has been very good for them recently. And you look at his history, the team that he's played with, and you see Palmeiras, and then you understand why this guy is scoring goals just because of where he comes from. But uh, <laughs> either way, uh, I think a good result for Cuiabá, despite not being able to win, but Corinthians on the other side, continuing and embarrassing not only their fans, but even the opposition fans, because I did not expect this from them, uh, looking at how their season started. And then uh, after the Copa do Brazil match against Atletico Mineiro, it seemed like they were making some comebacks. And then they lose to America Mineiro last week and tie at home. So very bad it's going so far. And hopefully they can get out of this situation soon. Yeah, absolutely. Um all right, let's just keep it on moving. Atletico Monero, this had a rather dull scoreline, but some crazy stuff afterwards, which we'll get into. Red Bull Bragancino and Atletico Monero go head-to-head. One-all draw. Um, uh, Paulinho again on it for Gallo. 14 goals and six assists in his 31 matches uh, back in Brazil with Atletico Monero. Um, he's on loan from Bayer Leverkusen. We'll see if they can uh, then land him on a permanent deal. Um, I would think it's unlikely, but he's been so good for them. On the other side, Bragancino, um, getting the draw uh, away from home. Good result, I would say, from them. Um, and uh, they're still firmly in that mid-table position. Eduardo Sasha 
the um, the goal scorer for Red Bull Braga. But after the match is where really the fireworks went off. Um, we got a tweet uh, officially announcing the departure of Eduardo Cude after this one came out of nowhere, really. Um, and some details have come out after the fact here. Um, and I guess he was incredibly rageful after the match, um, saying basically that he wouldn't be able to challenge for titles, uh, cursing the players, cursing the management, uh, going off on, uh, on everyone in the, in the, in the dressing room after, um, and apparently, uh, the, the management backed up the players and Eduardo Couday just said, he just rage quit. <laughs> he just said, all right, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> And uh, there was a period where I guess, he, you know, he just walked out. He didn't um, arrive at the airport with the team and um, just a bunch of weird stuff. He basically walked out on his job. I guess it's come to light today um, that he's uh, he's back in the area. He's back meeting with the club officials to formally do all the legal stuff to officially depart. But he was really upset after this match. And it was just came out of the blue that uh, that. Um, that Eduardo Cude was was leaving and uh, Gallo sitting in fourth place even after this this result 18 points not too many points off uh Palmeiras even in, sitting in second only six off Botafogo um and it's a long long season so uh a little bit premature if you ask me on uh, on this uh this rage quit yeah, you said it perfect Peter uh Cude at rage quitting it's just a weird decision taken uh something that maybe people would do when playing FIFA, but even here, uh, uh, looking at how the game ended, 1-1, it's still a draw. Like, you didn't lose at home, you didn't lose away. And let's not forget, uh, Rebel Bragantino has uh, been a good team this season. Since tying against Palmeiras away, they won 2-0 against Atletico Paranaense and then proceeded to beat Santos, score one in Maracana against Fluminense, tie against Argentinians uh, Estudiantes in the Sudamericana and now tying again away against Atletico Mineiro. They have been a very good team, a solid team and uh, I don't think uh, they're a team that can be neglected and even here, I was glad to see Paulinho get back in the score sheet, but also Eduardo Sasha, the ex-Santos player, uh, tying uh, only 18 minutes later. So a 1-1. I don't think it hurts either team, but still Atletico Mineiro would have looked to win this uh, match. As you said, uh, maybe they would have gotten the second or third spot uh, if they got the three points here. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Let's not take anything away from Red Bull Brangoncino. They kind of know their role away from home, like you, uh, like you said, uh, good result. Um, and yeah, I, I was surprised too. I mean, even in looking after, I mean, yeah, I get that he's upset, but the, you know, they, I guess maybe they got booted out of the Copa de Brazil, uh, from Corinthians. Um, so maybe he's still upset about that. It, it was on pens though. So, you know, just kind of a strange situation. There's gotta be much more tension between him and the board and possibly even him and the players, um, I didn't think they'd been doing that, that, that were bad, but um, it is what it is. And, and I think in the next days we'll, uh, we'll find out more details and um, uh, he will, uh, he'll be gone. Also wanted to mention, I don't know if you remember this, Peter, but uh, our uh, friend that we interviewed back in December, Thomas Freitas predicted that Atletico Mineiro can win the Brasileiro. So yeah. looking at how it's going so far, uh, 
third or fourth position, as you said, is not too, too bad. And they're very close and they might do what they did in 2021. We'll have to see uh, who they bring on as a manager next. And if that manager can lead them to titles. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll have to see. And that manager may be, um, there's been a bit of speculation already, of course, Hajerio Seni is a, a name that rings uh, on the board a lot. They like him, but I think he's not in the cards right now. But the former Wolves and Benfica manager, I believe it's pronounced Bruno Lage um, or Lage, um, is, yeah, yeah. He uh, he is in the contention, and I think that's he's the front runner right now. So uh, keep your eye on that, but he might be uh, headed to Brazil and a, another Portuguese manager headed to Brazil. Uh, um, they've had some success, you know, when you think you obviously think of Jorge Jesus. So uh, that'll be interesting to see. And now Papa, even with uh, with Cruzeiro, uh, which is where we're going next, actually. Uh, and Enric, another draw here. Bahia and Cruzeiro both get two goals. Um, some great goals in this one. Uh, Bruno Rodrigues. Um, his uh, first goal for Cruzeiro um, was, I think, the number two ranked uh, goal of the match week on Brasilia Real Play. Um, you can check the highlights there uh, on Twitter. Mauricio Destra does a great job commenting on them. And Kaiki celebrating the Man City Group's uh, UCL win. He, of course, is property of uh, City Group. Um, and so is Bahia, actually, now. He also gets a goal, so the, the young star gets a goal as well. Uh, but another another draw there, and both teams I think will be relatively happy with the results. Um, uh, Cruzeiro and Bahia both looking probably for that mid table for Bahia more. Cruzeiro uh, in ninth place, so moving, trying to move up from uh, uh, that mid table positioning. But uh, they'll be happy with uh, at least a point on the road. Um, so uh, nice to see um, that result, and and, and probably pretty happy players and management on, on both sides of that one. Um, then uh, let's, let's just keep it on moving to Botafogo and Fortaleza. Uh, finally, not a draw. <laughs> Botafogo getting the win uh, 2-0 over Fortaleza, back to winning ways after a, a recent stumble last week. And Chiquinho Suarez... Man, it's only match week 10, and I'm running out of things to say about this guy. Two more goals. That's eight in 10 matches, uh, firmly leading uh, the Brasil Rao. Uh, Botafogo uh, keeping pace with some of their other rivals here uh, that we'll get into later. But uh, uh, another win for them, another three points, and um, another step in the right direction. Again, long, long, long way to go for the title, but uh, but they're they're doing everything right. Yeah, and this guy is doing uh, unbelievable stuff for Botafogo, scoring not one, but two goals. I think one of them came uh, from a penalty kick, I believe. But still, Chiquinho, man, this guy is 32 years old. And when you look at him, you probably think he's 26, 27. But uh, no, he's five years actually older. And it looks like he has 10 more years in his career to play. And uh, what he's doing currently at Botafogo is unbelievable. And uh, if he continues to score goals like this, they're for sure winning the Brasilia Rao. I don't know if there's a team who can stop them. And if Fortaleza didn't stop them, a team that has been good this season as well. Uh, I think they beat Corinthians a couple of weeks ago. And we all know how good they are when they play in their home stadium. Uh, then Botafogo can do impossible things in this competition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Moving on to uh, the next match here, American Monero and Atletico Paranaense. Uh, we'll talk about the match and namely the number, uh, the first goal scorer in the match, uh, but definitely not the biggest news this week coming out of uh, the Curitiba-based Atletico Paranaense. Um, but kind of a, a you know, a, a, you'd expect American Monero has been grinding out some results recently. We can't take anything away from them. Um, and they left it till late. So good on them for, for, uh, for not giving up here. Um, Atletico Paranaense, I think would have maybe liked to get a little bit more out of this one. They're still stuck in that upper mid table. And I think they definitely want to be a top four team. Um, so they may be a little bit disappointed, but, uh, coming away with a, at least a point on the road in Brazil is, uh, is, uh, is always a good thing. So I think they'll be happy in, in, in with that perspective. Yeah, they're surely going to be happy here because uh, looking at how this match went, Vitoroke scored, Christian scored. So coming back from a 2-0 and doing that in, I think, 15 minutes left, I think it's crazy. And an America side that we all know didn't, did not have the best start of the competition, but uh, ever since uh, they won against Internacional in the Copa do Brasil during penalty kicks, they've been grinding some results, as you said, winning against Corinthians, winning against Misionarios in the Copa Sudamericana and now tying at home against Atletico Paranaense, who is, a, in my opinion, a top-tier team. So, uh, so far, they've been doing really well and uh, we'll have to see how they proceed doing that in the future. They play Gremio uh, away from home next week. So it's going to be a tough moment from them to see how they change and transition from these types of results. Yeah, and it's going to be made even more complicated by um, uh, the news that I alluded to just a moment ago. That first goal scorer of the game, Vitor Roque, of course, uh, I believe it's confirmed now, right? Uh, he will be headed to Barcelona. Uh, 40 million euro uh, is the price tag. I believe it could rise um, for... Um, for almost 30 million euros. So a, a combined total of around 70 million um, uh, provided he hits certain quotas and, and certain things happen. Um, so some very big time business going on for both Atletico Paranaense and Barcelona. Vitor Roque uh, kind of being presented now as the foil to Enrique, uh, who's of course signed with Real Madrid uh, Vitor Roque going to Barcelona. It's a showdown of the Brazilian young strikers uh, going on in La Liga probably uh, in two years' time. It's going to be awesome to see. Um, and it's just a really exciting deal. Um, but it is unfortunate that it does look like we're going to be losing Vitor Roque uh, from uh, the Brasileirao Libertadores uh, in uh, this year. Uh, I believe June 30th, he, he'll be made available to uh, to head on over to Spain. I don't know if he'll go for the preseason. Uh, we'll have to see what the details. Um, but Enric, uh, any thoughts on uh, the sale uh, of Vitor Roque to Barcelona? Uh, Peter, I can't be any happier than that. Uh, you all know that I'm also, other than a Santos supporter, a Barca supporter. So looking at a Brazilian that we usually talk in a weekly basis, coming to my club, it's something really good to see. And who knows, uh, uh, he's going to be alongside Lewandowski. So he has a lot to learn uh, in the future. And uh, you all know Enrique going to Real Madrid is something that I couldn't like, 
be happy with because I, I don't like Real Madrid too much. So that's why I also have a Palmeiras and Ricky shirt now uh, before he makes a move. But with Vitor Roque, I waited because I knew that uh, making that move to Barcelona, I can do that with a Barca jersey in the future. So I'm really happy uh, they got the signing and I can't wait to see a Brazilian player play in attack. And it's something that we haven't had maybe since uh, the Ronaldo days or Rivaldo. Uh, we've had uh, wingers from Brazil like Rafinha at the moment, Neymar back in, in the years, but not a striker. And this guy is a typical number nine and he can do crazy things when he's in front of goal. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm excited for that. I can't wait. And yeah, there's this this signing feels like right to me. Um, I think it's going to be a, a great success like Neymar was. And I think... Um, you know, Barcelona fans are going to have to be a little bit patient while he adjusts. But, I mean, you've seen what he can do uh, in Libertadores under pressure. You've seen what he can do on a um, uh, you know, week-to-week basis uh, with Atletico. So, um, yeah, I think I think uh, give him about a year to adjust, um, and he's going to be bagging goals. And uh, I think he could really be a, an enormous star for, for, uh, for Barcelona. Um, and I think that's kind of the general consensus. So it's, I'm not sure, not saying anything uh, groundbreaking here, but um, it's it's just going to be a great uh, a great thing to see. And yeah, it's it's just exciting when when uh, these huge mammoth teams sign um, sign exciting Brazilian players uh, that we can watch uh, in uh, Champions League, which is always nice. Um, all right, Goyas and Fluminense as well. Um, uh, some some nice goals there, including Lima's forty uh, seventh uh, minute goal, um, uh, but they do split the points. Fluminense uh, again, uh, you just feel that they're looking for that little bit more. I think they should be able to beat a, a side like Goyas, uh, even away from home. Uh, Fluminense in that fifth place spot, uh, and they're they're looking to move up. Uh, Enric, you and I had them in uh, the the top one and two in our um, in our individual tables. Uh, again, a lot of the season to go, uh, but it's 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 really hard to see when they when they're fumbling these results. Um, how they can keep up with with teams like Palmeiras and Botafogo. I think you're underestimating Goyas, Peter. Uh, they are not as good as we expect, but they've been getting some great results. They beat Corinthians uh, 2-1 or 3-1 in the second or third match week. They won against Botafogo. So they've been getting some weird results and now doing it against Fluminense. I actually watched the whole match last night, a whole replay. And as soon as Herman Cano got their first goal, I saw Goya's team eager to attack and able to equalize, and they got that done in the 45th minute. Mateus Peixoto uh, hit a penalty kick after he was brought down by uh, uh, Gabriel Pirani, but uh, even when Lima scored, it was a banger, by the way, in the 47th. Still, Goyas did the impossible, and uh, attack after attack, uh, they wanted to equalize. Fluminense, I think... uh, had a crazy volley kick that ended up in the post and then Allison tied with a header for Goyas 2-2. So so a great result overall, uh, both teams. I don't think they will not be happy about this, but uh, Fluminense, I think, could have done much better and looking at their aim uh, this season and how they won Campeonato Carioca, they would have liked very much to win this game and maybe be on that number two or number three spot in the Campeonato Brasileiro at the moment. Yeah, 
Definitely. And, and, you know, maybe you're right. And maybe I'm underestimating Goyas, although, you know, the result you said uh, against Corinthians, I mean, these days, that's not saying much. Uh, Corinthians just sitting just ahead of Goyas on the table. Um, uh, just by one point, Corinthians in 16th, Goyas in 17th. Um, and yeah, it's just looking like they're going to be in a relegation scrap, but Hey, you know, Good result here for them. They'll be very happy with the uh, with the point, and um, they'll be uh, Mateus Peixoto. I haven't watched much of Goyas, but I keep seeing his name come up, and looks like he's really contributing and, and filling in some of that gap uh, that was left by uh, Pedro Raul. So um, good to see Goyas, and the, they'll be happy with the point. Fluminense, I agree. I think they just they need a little bit more, and and. Every day that passes, I'm getting more pessimistic about our, our prediction of them. Um, all right. Now let's move on to one of the premier fixtures of the week. Uh, huge Sao Paulo Derby. The Greens versus the Tricolor. Sao Paulo hosting Palmeiras in the Murumbi. Uh, Sao Paulo 0, Palmeiras 2. Um, kind of one of those scorelines we've been accustomed to seeing uh, when Palmeiras is involved, uh, they it doesn't seem like anyone can stop them. But Enric, I'm curious to see. We'll run through kind of the the run or the course of events here in the match. But I thought Sao Paulo looks pretty good, and they could have had uh, one or two goals here pretty easily. Um, so um, I I don't think it's all bad news. Uh, but it certainly started off uh, pretty poorly uh, in the in the first uh, ten minutes for for Sao Paulo. Yeah, actually, in the third minute, Sao Paulo was awarded a penalty, but then got canceled because the Palmeiras player hit it with his hands and then the arms, so that's why the penalty got overturned. And luckily for Palmeiras, uh, the game still kept going uh, in a zero-zero at that moment. Yeah, just to jump in, you know. Uh... What do you think of that? Because I, I think probably they did make the right decision, but at first glance, I thought, uh, or I guess what happened in real time, I thought that maybe it should have been a penalty. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, it clearly touched his hand, but it's something that we've seen from referees and it's something consistent, which I like. Uh, every time uh, there's a handball, but prior to that, there's another part of the body that the ball hits first, and then the hand, it doesn't get called. And I like how all the referees are actually standing into that uh, compared to some other de decisions. Uh, for example, when the ball is only hitting the end and then the end is away from uh, the body, it's low or it's up in the air. Uh, it's something that they've been sticking to. And I like that because even as a commentator hearing what I think Mauricio and um uh, Anthony Welts were saying during the match uh they pretty much knew before the referee even went and watched the replay that this will be uh disallowed so I like that and I don't think it was a penalty it was uh so accidental until uh I think the defender who actually touched it did not even complain about the handball as soon as the referee pointed to it first he was like he put his hands in his uh head and sort of agreed with whatever decision there was but little did he know that uh this was going to be overturned and good for him i'm happy because uh, i don't think that was a penalty at all but after that uh sao paulo gave the ball away with the wrong pass and it was uh robert arbel arboleda the defender 
Uh, he, in my opinion, was the worst in this match. Uh, not only he gave away this goal, but he also gave away the second goal scored by Enrique, uh, which we'll talk about later. But overall, he had this defender had a very poor performance. And I don't know if maybe the, the Dorival Jr. could have replaced him at halftime. Uh, Sao Paulo did not look good defensively just because of him. Um, in the 46th minute, uh, so first in the first half, Luciano shot uh, from range and without much luck against Everton. And my ideas about Everton have started to shift, especially after this game. I said that maybe he does not deserve to be called up as a third keeper for Silasau, but looking at how this guy has been doing for Palmeiras recently, maybe, yes, he's too old, but still he's been very good at what he does Uh whether he punches the ball away or keeps it in his hands after a shot, still uh, he does a great job keeping a clean sheet. And even if he concedes maybe a goal or two, still his team's uh, his team wins. So Weverton, uh, I'm really happy that he is part of the Selesau and I would like to see him more involved. And I know we talk about other keepers from Atletico Paranense, Santos, Botafogo, Sao Paulo, are the, all these guys. Maybe they'll have to wait when uh, Weverton retires, Peter. Yeah, that's an interesting conversation. I mean, I, obviously they're going to have to wait because he keeps getting called. Um, but, I, you know, I think I think your initial uh, reaction is correct. I think that his time has passed, and I'd like to see some other keepers, you know, called up, if only for friendlies. But, I mean, you're right. He is a great keeper, um, and he's kind of one of those keepers. I think he can kind of do it all. He's got uh, great feet, and he's also a, a very effective shot stopper. So um, it makes sense why he's he's kind of been the third choice in net. Uh, but, yeah, I think I, I think – you know, it's, his time has passed, but that doesn't mean he can't just uh, keep making great stops and 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 controlling the game while uh, from between the posts um, <clears throat> in uh, in the Brasilia So we love seeing that. Uh, you know, Sao Paulo in this one. Um, I, I kept. I, I mean, you mentioned it. They were they were dangerous. They're they're creating chances. Um, you know, I'm looking at the stats right now. The XG, the expected assists, they're all in favor of Sao Paulo. Possession, 66% versus 34 to uh, Palmeiras. The total shots, shots on target, just Sao Paulo really, uh, and, and just even the eye test, looking at uh, 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 the matches and the attacking moves, I thought they've created a lot of pressure. I was, I was really impressed. And the thing is here on the flip side of that is Palmeiras, you can see they can win anyway. They can dominate a game and win, and they can uh, get a lot less of the ball and still win, which is just a sign of a great team. Yeah, and I think those stats that you mentioned are primarily based uh, on the second half because the second half was so much different for Sao Paulo compared with how they played in the first. I think in the 47th minute, Zer Rafael created a dangerous chance that forced uh, Rafael, the Sao Paulo keeper, to make a save. But other than that, it was all Sao Paulo after 50th minute. Sao Paulo, you could see them increasing the pressure and Luciano putting Weverton to test. Uh, he punches the ball away and rebound goes wide. And then minutes later, Caleri uh, misses a very amazing opportunity. Uh, the ball was passed to Rodrigo Nestor and the shot goes low and weak. Uh, three minutes uh, after that, Arboleda had headed the ball to the crossbar. It was a very dangerous chance and 
I think I remember watching Palmeiras. Uh, I haven't seen him suffer like this before. Uh, Sao Paulo is doing crazy things under Dorival Jr. Arboleda maybe not having uh, one of his best uh, performances, but still, even when they don't score, you could tell that they're playing so much better compared to how they played with Rogerio Senni. In the 78th minute, this was the first Palmeiras attack after 30 minutes, and Arboleda gave the ball poorly to Enrique, as I said earlier, and Enrique scores 2-0 for uh, uh, Palmeiras. And it makes you wonder, the defenders that Sao Paulo has, who could be a replacement uh, if Robert Arboleda doesn't play? They have Ferraresi, the Ecuadorian, they have Igor Vinicius, Rai Ramos, who I believe is 29. So surely one of these guys needs to be playing uh next match because if he if uh Dorival Jr. keeps him in the starting lineups uh once again then I think that would be a mistake from the manager uh in the 84th Pablo Maya also tried his luck to score at least one and once again punched away by Weverton and uh in the 92nd minute uh, Arthur almost made it 3-0 the goal the ball went diagonally wide on the left and I think that that was a chance for Palmeiras to give uh, give it a finish to all of that. So, and then Pablo Maya received two back to back yellow cards in the space of fifty seconds, and this was pointless for him because they, these were fouls that uh, he shouldn't have done. The team was losing, and you could see how frustrated he was with the result and got his himself sent off and. I don't know why the player did that. Three goals conceded, and then next match you're not going to be able to play, which uh, Sao Paulo, by the way, needs him a lot, especially in that CDM role. And uh, now Durival Jr. has two tasks in hand, the defender uh, that he's for sure going to need to replace, and then Pablo Mayo in midfield and do something different for the next Brazil Real match. Yeah, for sure. And 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 uh, I, I think you accidentally said three, but it, it was just the two nil. Artur, I think, almost scored at the end. Uh, but uh, but it was just the two nil. But yeah, you're right. I mean, Arboleda is kind of a question mark. I know they have um, Diego Costa as well. Um, I think that can play center back. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's um, positives to take from both sides of this match. Paul Maris, I could say, you know, like I already said, uh, you know, they can win anyway. Um, you know, they can, they don't crack under pressure. They bend, they don't break. Uh, but Sao Paulo can say, hey, look, we went up against the champions, one of the best teams in South America over the past few years. And we pretty much for large swaths of this match, we're the better side. So I think both sides can take positives out of this. But obviously, Paul Maris will be taking the three points which are uh, is what they'll care about the most um, as they uh, as they try to hunt down Botafogo. Um, uh, and again, we just we call them the machine and they that's what they are. The machine is uh, is alive and well and it's it's running very smoothly right now. Um, all right, let's move it on to a match uh, where I think on paper, I don't know if we were expecting very much in terms of excitement um, but, you know, we got some excitement all early in the match, granted, but Internacional beating uh, Vasco da Gama 2-1. They finally get a, a, a win. Um, and uh, it was a pretty interesting game. Uh, we've talked about both these managers questioning whether they're on their way out. Uh, Vasco kind of changed it up. They had some key players that have been playing um, 
that were missing from their starting 11, trying to mix things up, but uh, they just couldn't, couldn't find the, uh, uh, the, the power to, to do so and, and get uh, even a point out of this one. Yeah, this was a funny game for the way it started. Uh, by the way, as you said, the Mano Menezes and Mauricio Barbieri are two coaches that are on the verge of being sacked. So looking at how this game went, I'm still surprised not to see one of them at least uh, get out of the job. But uh, either way, in the third minute, uh, there was a corner kick from Wanderson to Romulio, and that brought the first goal for Inter. Leor Jardim was motionless for Vasco da Gama. 16th minute, Luis Adriano uh, shot. Uh, he was saved by Leo Jardim, who was beaten on the ground, and the ball falls to Anderson, who makes it 2-0. And Leo, again, was furious, this time with Puma Rodriguez, who could not prevent the other player from scoring. In the 29th minute, uh, Ryan gets one back, uh, the 16-year-old, uh, a very promising for the future of Brazil. He actually played for the under-17 side and was part of that Copa or Cundiball Copa America that was just played uh maybe a couple months ago and very happy to see him getting the score sheet. Yeah and he comes in and, and replaces uh Pedro Haul who we talked about last week hasn't been scoring he was so good last year hasn't really put the ball in the net recently for Vasco da Gama comes in slots in the goal very impressive. Pedro Raul, in addition to Gabriel Peck, uh, both out of that starting 11 uh, for Vasco, but uh, Hayan or Ryan um, uh, slots in and, and, and gets the goal, kind of left all alone um, after a lot of hard work from uh, a lot of the other players uh, in Vasco. Uh, it, uh, so it really uh, just great to see. And yeah, like you said, I mean, he's 16 years old. Um, and he's already got that, that gold medal from the South American championship, uh, U 17. So, um, keep your eye on this kid. He could be the next Andriki or Marcus Leonardo or, uh, next hot, hot item. Uh, if he keeps on scoring and, uh, we'll have to see if, if he can kind of drag Vasco to some better results. Yeah, and I think this was his first professional goal and maybe the first match he played as a professional was, uh, when they lost to Santos 1-0 a couple of weeks ago. So let's see how this boy uh, grows up at Vasco da Gama. Now he has a chance to play in Serie A. And uh, let's see if Vasco can stay in this competition for longer than this year. But uh, either way, in this match, uh, the rest of the game was, I think, boring. Because after the 30-minute mark, we did not see any goals. Still dangerous chances by both teams, but uh, not any more goals. Uh, in the 84th minute... Uh, things started to change. Eric Marcus for Vasco hit the crossbar with his header. And then just three minutes later, Gabriel Peck hits the post. And then Lucas Piton uh, with an open net does not score as Jean made a spectacular line clearance save. I know you remember that, Peter. And what did you think of that chance? Uh, because the way how the ball was stopped, maybe 89% of it went in. And still at 11% that did not go in meant that the goal would not have counted, but still an incredible uh, incredible save by John, right? Yeah, uh, incredible. And the thing is here, I mean, the Vasco players started celebrating, right? Like you said, I mean, most of the ball looked like it crossed the plane uh, and, and would have been a goal, but not all of it. And we know that's the rule. Um, and so really unfortunate, especially Vasco had some great looks at the end. You mentioned the hitting the post just prior to this. 
and Lucas Piton, unbelievable. I thought it was a for sure goal when he when he had that open look. But John, wow, it just an unbelievable save for me. The save of the match week for sure, and 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 some of these last few games, I think this has got to be the best save I've seen, and possibly in the season so far. Um, just absolutely incredible. And Enric, let's let's take the time. Let's point it out, John. Um, of course, formerly of Santos, spent a lot of time training with Santos goalkeeper coach uh, Arzul. Um, who's changed Joao Paulo, um, a, a bunch of keepers, Vladimir over the years, and who is one of the best in the business. So um, I'd like to imagine that Arzul had uh, had um, some some uh, effect on Jean that that caused him to make that incredible save. But yeah, I mean, just one of the most insane saves. If you haven't seen it already, go go check it out. Um, and it does mean that uh, he 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 spares them uh, the draw and it secures them all three points. And once again, Peter, I know I'm bringing the Thomas Freitas interview back. It's something mm. that I watched recently. But uh, do you remember when he said that uh, the Hawaii coach, what's his name, Liska, that we actually yeah. made fun of him a couple of times. He told Thomas that John is actually the best keeper he's had to work with professionally. And he wasn't really a fan of when Santos brought back Vladimir because now John wouldn't have chances, but look at him. He went to international. Now he has chances, and that save just explains how good he is and maybe what Santos uh, missed out on. Not saying that Joe Paulo is not good; is still one of my favorite keepers in the league. But uh, what if we had two amazing keepers? That would be even better, uh, and we wouldn't be afraid of losing one of them due to an injury. So, uh, great save for him once again, and. Uh, I would say Vasco da Gama deserved to get the 2-2 and it would be a great result for both teams uh, because they have both suffered this Campeonato Brasileiro and especially Vasco da Gama. Uh, they started really well with that win against Atletico Mineiro away from home, but after that, it just went downhill and uh, I don't know what's going wrong with them. Hopefully they can fix things and because I don't like to see them going down. There's way worst teams at the moment i believe like Coritiba, Cuiabá is having a great run but uh i'm not sure they could keep that for long bahia and rebel bragantino i think those are the four that i would like to see down but uh if it's vasco then then they're, they're gonna have to fight once again to jump back and wanted to mention also the former vasco player nene who, as soon as uh, he promoted the team, went to Juventus, if you remember, Peter. Mm -hmm. He's been yeah. scoring so many goals recently. Yeah. Every game or every other game, Yeah, he's doing incredible things for Juventus. Uh, I think they're in the top five or top six in Serie B at the moment. And the same thing goes for Wagner Long with Sport Recife. Uh, both of these guys are very old and doing what they're doing and scoring goals ahead of maybe 19 years old. So it's just incredible. And Let's see if they can do that for longer and bring those teams in uh, Campeonato Brasileiro Serie A next year. Yeah, you know, the Nene's point is great too because, you know, you wonder, hey, I, I, Vasco might need a player like that, you know, right now. So um, really interesting. And, and let's also mention, shout out you, Enric, because we um, just released the Thomas Freitas interview on YouTube as well. So go check that out. It's linked all over Enric's uh, uh, Twitter page, uh, Smoking Snake Twitter page. So um, 
go check that out. We've got it in video form on YouTube and it's such a great interview. So uh, take the time. It's two hours long, but uh, it's so, it's so, so good. And, and, and again, Thomas is just such a great guy. Thanks, Peter. And once again, for all of you who have a chance to listen to the podcast, primarily in uh, Spotify and Apple, which Peter releases still, maybe if you want to see uh, the interaction that we have during the live show, it's still good. But thanks, to, thank you, Peter, again, for doing this. And uh, I would suggest all of the listeners or viewers here to either watch on YouTube and show us support every way possible and everything is appreciated. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but let's uh, keep things moving here. Uh, oh, one final note. Um, finally, I think we talked about his link to the club, but Enter Valencia uh, this week was announced as uh, Internacional's new signing. Um, great signing, in my opinion, three years. He's a bit on the older side, but Brings a lot of experience and talent, uh, no transfer fee, which is nice to see. Um, I'm sure he's making some uh, some big money, uh, especially for South America, but um, he will definitely uh, improve this inter team. And I think he's exactly what they need in terms of creating offense. We talk about it. They're so stagnant oftentimes. Um, and, you know, despite them getting the win here, two goals, uh, they need a few more options and uh, it does look like uh, he's going to join and hopefully he uh, is an immediate impact um, for Inter's sake. All right, enter, uh, enter, hello. Uh, Enric, <laughs> um, Flamengo and Gremio, the last match of the match week. Really great game with a lot of talent. Luis Suarez versus Gabri Goal. Uh, this one ended, I think, unfair scoreline in terms of the flow of the game, Flamengo three, Gremio nil, uh, and both teams coming into this one pretty pretty warm, if not hot. Gremio three wins in a row, and Flamengo unbeaten in five, including I think four wins. Um, so both these teams uh, angling for the victory in this one. Uh, Enric, how did you like uh, this clash? This was a very good game for us to see, especially in Campeonato Brasileiro. You mentioned uh, Luis Suarez and Gabigol clashing with each other. But for me, uh, I saw it more as of Luis Suarez against Arturo Vidal, two former Barca players who, let's not forget, three years ago, they were playing in the Champions League uh, at that tournament when they lost 8-2 to Bayern. And now they see themselves playing uh, for nation in a nation that both of them were not born or have played before, so uh, <clears throat> to see that is just incredible. And uh, depending on how this match went, uh, in the fourth minute, Villa Santi almost scored a goal for Gremio, and after hitting the outside of the net, and that could have brought the first goal for Gremio, who I believe had the very dangerous start in this match. Yeah, definitely. Gremio in the first 10 minutes or 10 11 minutes, whatever it is maybe even more, were definitely, I thought, the better team. They created uh, much better chances, and including this one that you're talking about right now, Villasante. I cannot believe he missed. I thought it was a goal. I thought, I mean, even the way it hit the net, I, I couldn't believe it. So really unfortunate for him not to get it on target. Um, 
yeah, I just I, I expected better from him. And uh, uh, Gremio could have easily gotten, you know, one or two at the start of this match. And it could have been a totally, completely different story. Yeah, and I think this is credit to the way how the posts or the nets are built in Brazil. And going back to old-fashioned nets, I think, uh, because the ball seemed like it was going in and the metal was like cut short. And that's mm -hmm. what I like about the nets in Brazil. Some of them are like very short, and it has this trapezoid-looking uh, seam. And the other side is like what Sao Paulo has, where there's there's this big neck. And if you concede a goal, the keeper has to like make three or four steps backwards to take <laughs> the ball away. And it's something that I really like and brings back nostalgic moments of when I watched Brazilian Raw back in 2011, 2012. And other than that, as you said, uh, this was a great chance. And in the 11th minute, Luis Suarez uh, combined very well with Cristaldo. And the last one hit the volley in air. It just goes wide. And it was just an incredible effort. And I thought that if that would have gone in, that would have been called uh, best goal in the Brasileiro. Four minutes later, Suarez steals the ball away, passes it to Bitello, who slips, and Grêmio misses another great opportunity, and Suarez was furious. He was yelling at his teammates and was not too happy that the ball wasn't falling for him. I think he wanted to score in the stadium, as Mauricio said uh, during the commentary, but uh, uh, the result that we're going to go and touch upon on after, I don't think uh, it was promising for Grêmio, who surely deserved to get a goal Wesley in the 24th minute passes it to Everton, uh, who gets the opener, Everton Sabolinha, and scores against his former club. Um, in the 33rd, Derascaeta gave a great back heel pass to Wesley. Uh, I don't know if you remember that. It was just incredible and sends it towards Gabi Gol, but Gabriel Grando was there to save it. In the second half, Bitello stopped the ball perfectly, does everything right, but the shot uh, misses the target, and Grêmio players... Um, in the 65th, pass back to Pedro, who shoots and uh, outside the box and scores, makes it 2-0 for Flamengo. And a player that has not been scoring much recently, he actually came on, I think, for a defender, Wesley. Uh, and he scored in this match, and it's great to see Pedro in the, back in the score sheet. He's not, he's having some problems outside in real life because his wife, I think, is um been included with some trafficking when it comes to like match manipulations or stuff like that i'm not too sure what's going on but either way i'm very happy to see pedro get a goal and in the next 15th minute 15 minutes uh, it was complete domination by gremio villa santi's shot uh, was blocked by david luis Bruno Enrique prevents bitello from scoring and in the 90th minute luis suarez hit both posts and what a really nice hit shot was that simply insane. And it was just some FIFA shit, if I should say, uh, the yeah. way how the ball went in and went out and just incredible. Still, uh, there was more time for dangerous chances. In the 95th, Villasanti hit the crossbar and the rebound was saved by um, David Luiz. So uh, once again, Gremio really deserved to get at least a goal in this match until a minute later, Harrison 
uh, who's a player that since he came back from Marseille has been doing incredible things for Flamengo. I don't think it's because of his motivation or the fact that he has a former coach managing him at the moment, but a beautiful cross sent to Bruno Enrique and suddenly it's 3-0 and it's Bruno's first goal uh, for Flamengo ever since he was injured and Great to see him. He was actually emotional after that goal. And happy to see Flamengo win 3-0 at home. Uh, once again, Gremio deserved one, but they didn't get the goal. And it wouldn't have made any much difference because still Flamengo was able to get the three points, Peter. Yeah, I mean, I when, when Luis Suarez hit both posts, you just knew that it was not Gremio's day. They did not. They weren't going to. They weren't going to score. And it's just one of those days at the office. Everyone has them. And it's, it's just, it's really unfortunate. Uh, Gremio, I think uh, when you look at the shots and the, and the shots on target, I think double the chances Flamengo had shots on target um, way more than double uh, the shots, um, just shots total. Um, So again, kind of one of those things where you can take positives out of both, but the scoreline probably was a little harsh on Gremio. I think they deserve something out of this match. But like you said, awesome to see both Pedro going through some personal issues right now. That's his second goal uh, in two matches. Uh, get back to scoring. And then he got a smile. I mean, he didn't turn out for Santos, uh, left the club, and 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 has come back, just storming back for Flamengo. Bruno Henrique comes back. He hadn't played, I don't think. Well, he's played a few times, but... He was out for like uh, 10 months or something like that. I think he got um, injured almost almost a year ago. Uh, um, I think it was June 15th. Uh, I'm looking at it right now, actually. June 15th, 2022. Um, so mm-hmm. almost a year ago. Uh, and he finally gets another goal. Um, so just just so awesome to see. And uh, despite whatever you think about him and his, his choices uh, uh, in football, um it's it's just awesome to see him get uh get a goal so flamengo uh big win gremio just unfortunately just not their day um and they'll uh they'll go home uh with nothing um all right enric we've got the table after 10 matches uh, a lot of interesting uh, results um, a lot of teams in interesting positions some teams on the way up some teams really down in the depths um, so I don't know where you want to start here with this one, but I'll just, uh, tee you up and, and you can, uh, you can take, uh, this wherever you want, um, in terms of the table and, uh, the positioning. Yeah. This, uh, Brasilera is not too different, uh, from week to week, uh, as we've seen Botafogo and, uh, Palmeiras taking that number one and number two spot. And Palmeiras is just waiting for Botafogo to make that first mistake. As soon as they tie a game or lose, Palmeiras will be able to take over because they are only two points away. And even if they Botafogo draw, uh, Palmeiras has three goals advantage. So surely they'll have number one spot. I think it's coming uh, sometime. And Flamengo on the other side, a team that had not have a good start, but now sitting in third position, only three points away from Palmeiras. And it's just crazy to see how with so many games that they've messed up, still they're only three points away and five points away from league leaders. But other than that, three teams that you would expect to be high on the table. And the same goes for Atletico Mineiro, Fluminense, Grammy, Atletico Paranaense, Sao Paulo. 
And then we go to other teams like Internacional sitting in 10th, which is not expected. Santos, a team that historically has been good, but now sitting in 13th. And Corinthians, just outside of relegation zone, without even having to mention Vasco da Gama, still uh, in the 19th spot. If Coitiba would have won that game against Santos, uh, maybe they wouldn't be uh, 19th, but they would have the higher goal average compared to Vasco or compared to Coritiba. So that's the only difference. What are your, your thoughts about this uh, league at the moment? Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, you definitely are um, totally right on the Palmeiras and Botafogo. Palmeiras are just ready to pounce should Botafogo uh, trip up anymore. But you, you look at some of the matches, Botafogo's got two losses already against teams they probably should have beat. Um, so you could say that, you know, in a ideal world, they'd really be extending a nice little lead over Palmeiras. Palmeiras may be dropping the ball in some of these draws, but, um, they are still undefeated. Uh, got to shout out Cruzeiro as well. I think I had them a little bit lower down the table. They've got their, without a win in their last four, but, uh, still sitting in ninth place, which is, uh, um, uh, pretty, pretty decent, um, from their perspective. So uh, you'll take that. But I mean, Santos and Corinthians clubs that should be pushing up towards the middle high table. Um, and uh, we'll have to see if they can manage that. Uh, especially, especially Corinthians. I had them way high up the table and Vasco da Gama five losses in a row. They're in some huge trouble. If this doesn't change after this small little week break, uh, Mauricio Barbieri is gone and uh they will be grasping at straws just to stay up and i'm with you i don't want to see them go down i love the kit i love the crest uh, i love the players their roster is so much better than this 19th place that they're sitting at um so we'll have to uh come back and see if they can muster up anything uh in, in uh in this um <clears throat> match week 11 uh which is of course we've talked about it a lot uh, starting kicking off midweek on June uh, 21st. So uh, we've got a few days off. Um, teams are taking those to uh, to kind of recalibrate, and uh, we'll see what they can do after this small little break. Uh, but um, it's going to be tough for a lot of these teams. Yeah, and I think it's worth mentioning the matches in the Brasileira that are coming up now because I don't think we're going to be able to do that uh, later, in this week or next week. So on Wednesday, June 21st, uh, there will be a big clash between Santos and Corinthians. The same day will be Fluminense Atletico Mineiro. And uh, the day later, it's just regular teams like Internacional playing Coritiba. So nothing too crazy. So the bigger, the big match weeks are those happening on Wednesday. And I can't wait for those games to happen soon. Yeah. And, and, and don't forget about also on Wednesday, Sao Paulo versus Atletico, two teams kind of in looking to enter into that top four um, and Atletico and Sao Paulo both dropping points th this match week, but I think that they're, they're very good and they can take positives. Um, and uh, they that'll be a, an exciting clash as well. Um, all right, let's uh, before we conclude, let's turn our attention to the national team, Selesau, some uh, some personnel um, news. Uh, this week, I believe uh, Robert Renan is uh, is is out with injured. 
and he is being replaced by Nino Fluminense. Oh, excuse me, the other way around. What am I saying? Uh, Nino is is out, um, and uh, Hubert Hennen Renan uh, is uh, is going to be replacing him. Uh, the Zenit St. Petersburg man um, and uh, youth, um, I believe, a world uh, World Cup winner, youth World Cup winner. Um, so. It'll be interesting to see uh, what he can do. Um, and this is, of course, for two friendlies, once against Guinea and once against Senegal. Um, really happy to see them play in Senegal. I think uh, one of those African teams that really is on par with the Europeans, I think this is one of two. Uh, the other being uh, Morocco, of course, so impressive. And they've already got a, a win over Brazil under their belts. Uh, so Senegal, I think... Definitely a step down from Morocco and a lot of these uh, high-end European sides, but uh, a lot of players playing in Europe. Um, definitely a hard team to play against. A lot, a lot of talent, and kind of playing in the same similar style to uh, to uh, to European teams. And of course, I believe they are still the reigning African champs. Um, so uh, Senegal, very impressive, and uh, that'll be a great game. Uh, Enric, uh, take it away yeah, and just. I- Give me your thoughts on uh, on both of these. Sorry to cut you off there. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I actually watched the Guinea. I'm not sure how you say this country's name, by the way. Uh, they lost 2-1 to today against Egypt. They scored first, and then it was Trezeguet who tied at the end of the first half and then conceded the next one. And looking at how this game went, I don't see any promising play or desire from this nation. And they did not really look dangerous so i i would expect brazil to play way better and hopefully many youngsters start against them because in the game against senegal would be so much different when we play them the world cup participants yeah and and just before you go into more of your senegal uh that's surprising to hear too because i mean guinea has nebi Keita and um enric you might know more about this player uh this ilix mariba um, who, uh, you know, kind of, I'm limited knowledge, but I know he was kind of, um, uh, supposed to be a really good center mid for, for Barcelona. He's with Valencia now, it seems, um, really came across my neighbor, my, uh, my radar, probably via FIFA originally, but, uh, one of those players, I think also, did he play for Red Bull or is that another, uh, Ghanaian? Uh, I'm not sure, but, um yeah surprising surprising stuff there uh guinea very small team very small nation but some decent players so surprised to hear that they're not all that great um and they lost to egypt who traditionally is not a very exciting team uh really likes to park the bus and and rely on trezeguet and and salah or salah um but uh but yeah kind of kind of interesting there but enric go ahead and, and tell me your thoughts on senegal or anything else that you have yeah, Alex Moriba, as you said, played for Barcelona. He was actually part of the team when Ronald Koeman was a coach. And mm. if you remember during an El Clasico, it was a very rainy day. And uh, I think Real Madrid won 3-2 to two or 2-1. Two to one, And he had a very good chance to tie that match, hit the crossbar, very unlucky. But after that, his career went sort of downhill. He moved to RB Leipzig for more money, uh, even though Ronald Koeman kept telling him, please don't go, don't go, because uh, he could have played alongside Pedri. And this was actually before Gavi started playing for Barca, because it was uh, months later in the summer of 2021. 
But uh, yeah, very bad of the decisions he made. I think his agents wanted to get more money and that's why he made the move and didn't that go well in Germany and came back to Valencia. And we all know how Valencia's season went. Uh, it almost got relegated and Elex Moriba is nowhere near of the promising kid that he used to be back then. But other than that, yeah, I wanted to go over all these players because looking at the nations, uh, we see Senegal, Cameroon, Nigeria, Guinea-Bissau, all these nations that were like, wait, who actually plays there? Because uh, they seem like all of them are Africans and we don't even uh, recognize them. But I'll start with Diakabi, the Valencia center back, Nabi Keita, who we are all aware of, plays for Liverpool as a center mid. Alex Moriba, who we just mentioned. Diawara uh, played for Napoli in Roma. He's a center mid. I think now he plays uh, for Salernitana or a team like that in uh, or Serie A in Italy. Uh, Gurasu, uh, this is a guy who I also remember from FIFA. Plays for Stuttgart, former Rennes player and was a very promising player last year in the French League. Uh but in the match against Senegal that Brazil will play, this will be, I think, tougher because uh, they have other players that play in Europe, starting with Nia Kate, the defender from Nottingham Forest, Koulibaly from Chelsea, Sabali, the defender from Real Betis, Crepindiata, this is also another guy who was a gem in FIFA 22. Uh, he had a card that everybody was using, I think 99 pace, 82 shooting, Everybody was just using this guy to run down the wing and score. And he's a very uh, good player, plays for Monaco. Uh, Patesis, a midfielder from Rayo Vallecano. Idrissa Ganagé, who many people probably remember as a former PSG player, currently playing for Everton. Nap Napolis Mendy uh, plays for Leicester City. Pepe Sar, a young kid for Tottenham Hotspur. And Boyalo Gia uh, plays for Salernitana, former Villarreal attacker. And then last but not least, Sadio Mane, the attacker that plays for Bayern, former Liverpool. Uh, he was injured during the World Cup, but I think he will probably play in this match against Brazil. And uh, what are your predictions, Peter? I think the game against Guinea is an easy one, but against Senegal, I'm saying maybe a 1-1 or a 2-2 draw in this match. I don't see Brazil winning just like they didn't against Morocco. Mm, yeah, I would see a 4-5 win, nil win over um, Guinea. Um, not really impressed with them, especially after a 2-1 loss to Egypt. Um but Senegal, I think you're right. It's going to be a tough match, and I I would go maybe a two one or three one win for uh, for Brazil. Um, I'm giving them the win just because I think uh, they're a little bit more coherent um, uh, than they were against Morocco. I think with the squad this time, and um, I'm also Senegal for me is a step down from Morocco. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's still going to be a tough game, and I think that it may be a, a match where um, you know it's one one until late. Maybe Brazil score, then they get a one on the counter as well, something like that. So those would be my predictions. What about you? Well, I already said my predictions. But oh yeah. Would you have liked? <laughs> would you have liked for Brazil to play maybe 
other teams like European sides that we just played with in World Cup, something that we used to see in 2010 or 2011, playing that friendly against Netherlands. 2014 in September, we played Colombia in September. And the same thing, I don't think it happened in 2018 after the Belgium loss, but uh, would you like to see a Brazil-Croatia match or against South Korea, something like that, compared to playing these African sides? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, nothing wrong with Senegal. I like Senegal. I like the matchup. Uh, we need to know how to play against teams like that. But, I mean, we've we've probably talked about it during the World Cup and after, but and many people have said this, but Brazil, unfortunately, uh, because of the European nations getting locked up in Nations League and all the uh, all the internal competition there, um, as well as kind of the glamour friendlies that they have, it's hard to get and find fixture dates uh, for to to you know to play against these these huge European sides. And uh, the second for the last maybe three World Cups, maybe four. Um, They've uh, the second they 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 go up against these big sophisticated powerhouse European teams, they lose, and they need more practice against the Euro- the Europeans. Uh, we know they have the talent. We know they have you know the the will and 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 uh, and they just need a little bit more uh, you know stiffer competition and more um, uh, technical competition. Uh, when it comes to these friendlies and, and, and competitive game. And, um, you know, one thing that's been floated is kind of merging the uh, um, the Nations League, or I guess maybe expanding the Nations League to uh, to the Americas, and specifically South America, which I think would be amazing for the Brazilians um, in terms of their chances in the World Cup. Because, again, like I said, you know, they just fold every time they, they meet um, decent European opposition. So, uh, I would like to see that. Um, but you know, I understand it's pretty tough and, and, and the CBF also is looking to make a quick buck. So, um, yeah, it's unfortunate. I'd like to see them play against some more Europeans. Yeah. I was actually thinking about this, watching the Netherlands, Croatia semifinal in nations league earlier today and thought that why don't, why don't South American teams do this as well? Because while, we're playing friendlies, they're playing an actual competition. And let's say Italy, how many World Cups do they have? Three or four? Three, if yeah. they win four. Yeah. If they if they win Nations Leagues often as Portugal has been able to win the first one, then they're gonna come up against Brazil and say, Hey, we have more trophies than you guys. So we're not actually playing for a trophy. And even if we do that, it would only be seven or eight uh, nationalities competing with each other. And I would like to see like Suriname, French Guiana, these three nations that are above Brazil and on the east of Venezuela to be participants as well as uh, separate nations and compete in FIFA tournaments. Uh, It's something that we haven't seen before, but I would like to see them because they're countries in South America. So why not give them opportunities to create a national team? But uh, I don't agree with what you said to make the Nations League a tournament for all the continents because then it would be like a World Cup and that's the beauty of the World Cup. It's something that we only get to see every four years, but uh, I would like to see every continent itself to make a league or something different um, so that they can play, even if it's friendly. Uh, Playing for a trophy, I think, motivates the players even more. 
Yeah. And, and, and by the way, I don't, I don't condone that view. I think, and I think just to be clear, the idea that um, I believe Johnny Infantino even outlined said they're talking about is um, uh, a tournament only with the European and South American. So the other, the other continents would be excluded. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really condone that. I think it's too much. I think the players would be totally gassed and there'd be injuries left and right. I think it's almost too much football. Um, so don't really love that idea, but I do kind of like maybe, uh, you get to a certain stage in, in, in the nation's league, maybe top two, top four, then you're matched up with the top two, top four in, in South America, but it's a hard problem to solve. There's lots of moving pieces, but the, the thing that I think, uh, should be the goal for Brazil is more time, um, on, on the pitch against some of these top, top European sides, um, and uh, until we see that, I, I have trouble, you know, predicting that they'll they'll win another World Cup. Yeah. All 100%. right. And I just finished it off and cut this part off, please. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that uh, is going to be the end of the episode. Um, we will be back next week, despite the absence of Brazilian football. I think we should uh, have a great interview for you guys. Um, and other than that, uh, have a great night. 